Hallelujah. Man, are you excited to be in God's house today? I'm so glad you're here. Anybody in the Christmas spirit yet? Come on, Christmas spirit. How many of you Christmas started in October? Anybody in here? Yeah, come on. You're the ones annoying everybody else. All right. You're why we can't stand hearing the music now. No, actually, we want everybody to be really in the Christmas spirit. And just in case you're not there yet, I want to help you out a little bit this morning. Can I just help you with your, you know, uh, Christmas spirit? I know, I know you need to be lifted up. I mean, some of you are going through some tough times, so I've got some high-quality humor for you. All right? Are you ready? All right, why did the doctor tell the kids to stop eating the decorations? Didn't want them to get tonsillitis. Y'all are y'all are groaning like you ate beans last night. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe I should keep trying. All right, all right. What is Santa's go-to order at at Duncan? Jolly filled donut. I can see I really know who you are. So, why is Christmas a lot like your job? You do all the work and a fat guy in a suit gets all the credit. Yeah, yeah. If you're new here today, welcome to the most cynical people in Chris Citrus County. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, we're going to have a good time. Some of your kids are pulling like, what is he talking about? Uh, hey, I, I really, uh, really want you, seriously, to be in the spirit of Christmas. You know, there is a spirit to Christmas, and I, I, I really believe this with all of my heart. I, I really believe that there is something to be cultivated and stewarded in this season. You know, it, it's actually way more likely for somebody to even come to church in this season if they're invited. Something like 84% of people are really just waiting on somebody to invite them uh, to church. And I, I really feel like if we would truly get, listen to me carefully, the spirit of Christmas, we would see so much fruit for God's kingdom in this season. And I really want to encourage you today uh, with, with a, a message out of Luke chapter 1. You can go to Luke chapter 1 and we're going to start in, in verse 26. And I really believe that more than just uh, another sale or uh, perhaps another gift. And by the way, I want to say thank you to Calvary for your great generosity uh, in, in caring for, listen, we are going to have right here Friday night 149 foster kids, 149 foster kids and their parents. By the way, those who have been around Calvary, listen, the numbers of kids plus the numbers of their parents equals 222. 
You can't make it up. Some of you are going, to, my life verse is Isaiah 22, 22, and it, which says, the key of the house of David, I'll place upon your shoulder, and whatever door you open, no man can shut, and whatever door you shut, no man can open. So everything, I'll wake up at 222, I go book in a hotel, I'm in room 222, and 222 shows up everywhere, and so now 222 people, plus all of our volunteers, will be here Friday night. So guess what? There is an open door to minister to some of the most hurting and some of the most neglected people in our community, and listen, God didn't grant that to a man, he granted it to a people who would dare to care. So thank you for supplying those gifts which had filled our courtesy room and will fill our stage this week and ultimately fill the hearts of the kids of Citrus County. So thank you for being a part of that. So I believe that during this time, we are called to manifest Christ. I believe that there's something in all of us that we are supposed to, and by the way, the word manifest it means to make known. We're to make Christ known in this season. And uh, I love the story of Mary because Mary actually gives us the lesson of just how to do this. Because I, I think a lot of us uh, feel like the impossible task as you read the headlines and you sense the culture and you're, you know what people are going through. You think, wow, there are so many obstacles to actually bringing the life of God, the power of God, and the message of the gospel to the people. There's so much. Well, how do I really do it? Well, it's, it's grabbing hold of the spirit of Christmas. It's in this story, and if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. You can also follow along on the Bible app. We have all the notes on, our, uh, on the Bible app, and you can find that live event, Calvary Church, right there, called Manifesting Christ, Lessons from Mary. I love this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 starts this way. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. By the way, that's one of the, the, the weirdest verses in the whole Bible. When she saw the angel Gabriel, she wasn't troubled by seeing him. She was troubled by what he said. That means that it, is, it should be more common for us to interact with messengers from heaven. And what we shouldn't wrestle with is that we shouldn't wrestle with the messenger. We should always wrestle with the message. Until it comes into manifestation. Well, anyways, that's a different sermon. So, he says, she's troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. Be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. and He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. 
Therefore also that the Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I believe there's some lessons that we can learn from uh, Mary if we truly want to manifest Christ to the world. We've got we've to learn some lessons from this interaction, this wonderful interaction between Gabriel, the messenger of God, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I, I do want to begin today by saying God choosing Mary by human standards I don't think any of us would have ever done it. It just seems risky. Risky. That's what it is. God chose Mary, and it was risky. You say, why risky? Most scholars believe she's about 14. 14 years old. And the plan of redemption has to come through a teenager. (laughs) What? Any parents in the room... I mean, ever put some real responsibility on your child? Let me just make it plain. Anybody ever teach one of your teenagers how to drive? (laughs) You're groaning more now than you were at the jokes. Well, uh, just to help help us really get a hold of this. Lily Bell, will you come up here? Come in. Come on up, Lily Bell. She's going to help me today. Come on up. Come on, give it up for Lily Bell. Awesome. Okay. Have a seat right there. I feel like Oprah. You get a car. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your dream car? Cadillac Escalade. (laughs) Just guessing. Okay. Let's pretend for a moment I've just given you a Cadillac Escalade. How old are you? 15. You ever driven a car before? No. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. I'm going to give you today a Cadillac Escalade. All right. Here's the only thing. It's a manual. That basically means you're involved in all the operation. You know, most cars, they have two pedals. This one has three. 
Okay, that pedal over there, that's your clutch. The pedal in the middle is the brake. The pedal on the right is the gas. The pedal on the right in the middle, you use your right foot. The pedal on the left, you use your left foot. When you're using your right foot, you don't use your left foot. Unless your right foot is pressing at the same time as your left foot. Like a, this hand goes here. When the left foot pushes down, the right hand moves. Then we let go of the left foot, and we press the right foot. And then when, it, when the engine gets loud, we press the left foot, and we move the right hand. Now, you got to go one. Two, three, four, five. Don't ever go here <laughs> while you're going down the highway. All the teenagers are confused. Why are you looking so confused right now? Can you tell her? This is reverse. Don't do that on the highway. That's not a good idea. Okay. All right. So here's all you got to do is you got to, you got to, Put it in first. Cadillac Escalade. You'll be all right. Push the gas. <laughs> They're messing with you now. Push the gas. No, 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 no. You, you, you got to push the clutch in. Push the clutch. Now, give it a little bit of gas. Now, you got to let the clutch out. <laughs> Do you know what just happened? You don't know what happened. What happened? Stalled the car. You just stalled. Okay. We're going to try again. Come and crank the car. Hand over here. I think based on this experience, this whole idea is a little risky. Lily Bell, you're precious. I know you would never intend this, but if you got in this car right now, the Escalade goes from to a weapon. <laughs> so I'm going to make this, and by the way, since you never buckled, um, I'm going to take this from you, and you're going to get out of the car and go and give it up for Lily Bell. They need to be 18, 18 to drive. No, just kidding. We wouldn't trust our kids to take a car out that required a lot of thought and interaction, and yet God comes to a 14-year-old girl and speaks to her and says, your life is actually going to be the hinge from which the redemption of all mankind hangs. I think it's risky. 
And I love what Mary says. She's talking to an angel. She's like, Gabriel, there's one big issue. This one's big. And she, she may have been schooled enough to know. Angels, they're not married. Maybe Gabriel doesn't know how this works. <laughs> how can this be? I don't know a man. I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I have never been with a man. I don't know if she knew Isaiah 7:14. It says, and a sign will be given to you, and the virgin will be found with child, and he will be called the son of the most high, and he will be called what? Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know what she was thinking in that moment. All she was going, all she was saying is that for me to do what you said about me is going to require something more than is present in my life right now. And I love Gabriel's answer because Gabriel gives an answer which all of us need if we're going to bring God's plan for our life to pass. I love what he says. It's in Luke 1.35. It's an unfolding of this story. There are three things. If you and I, like Mary, are going to manifest Christ, the first thing we're going to need is the person of the Holy Spirit. We need God the Spirit to show up in our lives. I love what it says. It says, and the angel answered her when she said, this is not possible. This is not the way that it works. I don't know a man. Like, I don't, I don't have a lane for this in my life. He says, what you need is this truth. The Holy Spirit will come to you. I love it. The Holy Spirit will come to you. Gabriel was saying the person of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Mary, the first thing that is going to make this possible is the person of God the Spirit is going to show up in your life and the work he does in you by being with you is actually going to set the stage for what he wants to do through you and I want to say to you in this hour what we need in the church what our communities need what our nation needs is more people who would welcome the message of Gabriel saying listen I've said some grand things about your calling I've said some grand things about who you are in this book but none of them are possible without the person of the Holy Spirit it's the person of the Holy Spirit. He says the person of the Spirit will what? Come upon you. I love this. Years ago uh, in here, we, um, I used to be the youth pastor here, and we did youth here on Friday nights. And on Friday nights, we would see 
several uh, youth ministries gather. It was an incredible time. We did it through football season, every season. We were here every Friday night. From 2003 to 2005, we saw over 1,800 different students make decisions to follow Christ. It was an incredible time of revival. We saw a campus revival begin to birth at a middle school, which still today is, is still burning at Citrus Springs Middle School. During that time, we would have 300 students gather before school two times a month. Our Christmas party we threw there had over 500 students coming to it. By the way, it's middle school. You know they age out. The revival went on for a decade. I remember one of those nights when we were worshiping. Everybody, anybody ever been in a worship service or a moment? Maybe it was in your living room, could have been in your car, where the presence of God came to you in such a way it was undeniable. Like everyone around you knew. It's like God's here. He's, he's undeniable. He is, he is in this place. I can remember one of those nights we're having this, this worship time, and by the way, our worship was, mm, it was good, but it wasn't what it is today. We were offering, giving the Lord a joyful noise, okay? It was, but we were worshiping, and the presence of God came on that Friday night. I'll never forget it. And my daughter Mackenzie, our worship leader here, she was actually too young to be in the youth group. I don't know how much she remembers this. But in that moment, there were kids in the altar weeping. They're crying in worship. People, hands lifted. Young people, listen, we, listen, our youth ministry was not a bunch of like well-parented kids. We took a former school bus, painted it white, drove it up and down the roads of Beverly Hills. It looked like a prison bus with inmates. I promise. I promise. And that's what we did. We picked up the inmates, brought them to church. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a move of God. Everyone in this place is responding to God. And my daughter comes up to me, and she's, she tugs on my shoulder, uh, on, my, on my arm, and says, Dad, God just spoke to me. She's nine or maybe ten at the time. And I said, yeah, what the, what did he say? I mean, we're worshiping. There's all kinds of ministry going on. He said, Matthew 1.18. To Matthew 1.18, and she had her little fire Bible, which is a little NIV Bible that she had, and she opened it up, and in Matthew 1.18, in this moment of God's presence, his nearness in the room where he's moving, and people are responding, she said, this is what God says, Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Mary was promised the Holy Spirit would come upon her. God was interrupting our service to say, hey, by the way, my presence is where you will become pregnant with your destiny. When I come and I show up, you are going to know that you are mine. You belong to me. I don't know what Mary felt about herself in this moment. But 
I can I know this that in the coming days there was no doubt she knew that God had a magnificent plan why because the person of the Holy Spirit showed up and made himself known John 14, Jesus says these words about the Holy Spirit. He says, and I pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Listen to these words. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Listen to these words. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. When he says I'm coming with my spirit, he says I am going to leave no doubt. You're not on the outside. You're not one who has been rejected. You're one whom the favor and the grace of God has fallen upon and you now are in my family. He says you're not an orphan and my presence is going to let you know because you're in my family, I'm going to use you. See, that's the spirit of Christmas. The knowledge of his presence. When you know his presence, it says this. First and foremost, as we stand on the edge of ministering to the orphan and to the foster parent, the presence of God is what we need. Because it is the presence of God that says, I belong in his family. How do I know that? For sure, it's Romans 8, 14 through 64. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We manifest Christ because we're the children of God. God. And his presence, his presence is what tells us that. That's Gabriel's message first. He says the spirit of God is going to come on you. That's why I believe some of you, uh, that's why some of you are troubled a little bit like Mary was. Like, oh, I don't know about God's call. I don't know about what he wants to do in my life. Let me just tell you, Gabriel's answer brings some assurances. It's first his presence that we need if we're going to manifest Christ. And then, secondly, we need not only the presence, we need the power. We not only need the person of the Holy Spirit, we not only need God to show up and say, I'm here, uh, I'm, I'm near you, and by the way, I want you to be able to sense me and recognize my leadership in your life, because that's what Romans 8 says, I'm going to lead you, I not only want you to do that, but I want you to know that I will actively work in you and through you. Listen, you've got to get that in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, you want to manifest Christ, the Holy Spirit says, I will work actively in you and through you notice what Gabriel says in Luke 135 he says and the power of the highest will overshadow you it, that word overshadow means envelop you Gabriel was saying what God wants to produce through you requires the supernatural he said Mary you're right you can't do this 
one on your own. Oh, man, church, we've got to grow a little bit dissatisfied with ministry that we can do on our own. I mean, aren't you just a little bit just... I mean, there are some good things that we should do in our own strength with own decisions, but I wonder if you're a little bit like me, that when you're you're in these environments and you hear, hey, God's calling you to lay hands on the sick, and you're like, amen, until you're standing in front of a sick person in need of prayer. And then we get really intellectual, you know, "Mm, I don't know if I want to do that. Because if a miracle doesn't happen, man, man, what? What's that going to do to God's reputation? Can I just assure you, God is big enough to handle his own reputation? (laughs) Truth be told, you pull the veil back a little bit. I think we're more concerned about our reputation than we are about God's reputation. Because there are moments where God says, I want you to step into a moment in faith and do something that requires me to show up. There are moments where Christ wants to manifest through you and it requires him. It requires a supernatural God. It requires, listen carefully, the supernatural. I love that, you know, in, in this day of, of YouTube and Reels and Instagram and TikTok, man, you can, you can actually follow your favorite street preachers and you get the best arguments. You're like, ooh, I'm going to use that one at the water cooler at work. I'm going to, man, I'm going to drop that little nugget on them. And you go to work with your little nugget that you got from Instagram and it falls flat. You're like, thought that was the one I thought that was the one that was going to lead to the breakthrough and we forget the words of Paul to the Corinthian church he says this is so wild my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith may not rest in human wisdom but on God's power oh man what we need church to manifest Christ is more people who have faith in God's power we have faith that God will show up we have faith to believe that there's a supernatural God who is working all along yes he's with us but he wants to work in us and the work he wants to work through us listen requires him requires him Any men in here ever been pregnant? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We'll talk after. Women can't get pregnant. But Mary's assignment, as it grew, came with pressure. Holy Spirit shows up, and at first, you can't tell. She's walking around like everyone else. 
the people around wonder, why did Joseph hurry that little ceremony along? Why did he move their wedding date up? And Mary's just walking along. And the pressure started growing as what God was doing in her grew. And then people started doing the math. You were married two months ago, but you six months pregnant. <laughs> and the pressure started coming to Mary, this one who was devoted by God, never stepped outside. Matter of fact, she, according to the scriptures, was, was so pure in her pursuit of God. And yet, the public begin to call her harlot. One who slept with her husband before they were married. Pressure. They're doing the math. They're like, no, no, no. And by the way, I'm sure of this. Matter of fact, it carried all the way into Jesus' ministry. The people who were in charge, the Pharisees remembered. They even said, Jesus, you were steeped in sin at birth. What are they referring to? The fact that they believed that Mary was sleeping with Joseph before she was married. Her calling came with pressure. Do you know what one of the answers to the pressure is? The power of God. She knew the way she had walked, and she knew that what she was carrying had nothing to do with anything she had done wrong, but everything to do with the grace of God and the power of God that was at work in her. And I got to tell you, church, if you have ever heard God say something outlandish to you about who he's calling you to be, who he's calling you to reach, who he's calling you, where he's calling you to stand, how he's calling you to be an influence, I promise you, there will be naysayers. There will be people who say, wait a minute. I know who you used to be. I know what you used to be. But you just, what do you do? You're just like, I'm not trusting in the wisdom of man. Ah, faith is in the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit to manifest Christ through my life. I will not try to convince people with words. I'm going to convince them by a chaste lifestyle of pursuing God Almighty and the power of God Manifesting through me. The power of God, church, is an answer to pressure. How do I know this? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit that God gave us says, did not make us timid. This is NIV. Most of you know it. God did not give us a spirit of fear. The spirit God gave us did not make us timid. That means there is a spirit of intimidation trying to keep you from really walking with God. 
Really walking out his calling. Really walking in holiness. There is a spirit of intimidation. But aren't you glad that the answer to the pressure is, but his spirit gives us power. That's the same word that Gabriel used in the presence of Mary when he says the power will envelop you. Oh, we need, we need more believers enveloped in power. Not giving in to the intimidation, not giving in to the pressure of culture, but those who say, Amen, that spirit God gave me gives me the power answer to pressure. He gives me the love answer to pressure. And he gives me a sound mind. By the way, this it does mean self-discipline. It does literally mean right thinking. That's what this word means. Self-discipline means right thinking. Which tells us, church, there is a right way to think and a wrong way to think. And God's spirit, in answer to the pressure to wrong thinking, is the power of the spirit of God. Can I give you just something free? Will you please stop trying to manifest Christ in the flesh? You say, what? <laughs> you want me to stop trying? No, 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 no. I don't want you to be a pretender. I want you to be authentic. Don't, don't try to do it in the flesh. Don't think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to network my way to influence in the kingdom. Mm -mm. Go get in the secret place. Go get in the place where the power of God envelops you. And come out and watch how God anoints your words. And the common words of your life seem to penetrate the hardest places. Just watch how God begins to... Listen, do not try to be somebody who makes the kingdom happen in the flesh. Be that person that says, God, I'm going to follow you into the supernatural by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this last idea. Manifesting Christ, and we learn this from Mary, it's not only that we need the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we need the profession of faith. God does what he does, and then we get to open our mouths. What did Mary say? It's an incredible verse. I think more of us should repeat this verse, not only in the Christmas season, but in our everyday lives. Mary said, behold the maid servant of the Lord. She said, that's it, I'm yours. I'm done living for myself. Behold the maid servant of the Lord. She didn't say, behold, Joseph, future wife. Behold, just another girl in Nazareth. No, behold, I'm the maid. He, she said, look, Gabriel, look, this is who you need to see. I'm the maid servant of the Lord. And then she says these powerful words. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Why don't you just say that right now? Let it be to me according to your word. If we're going to manifest Christ, we're going to have to say, Lord, every word you have spoken about me, that you have written between the concordance and the maps, everything that applies to me, let it be to me according 
according to your word. Everything is true. Everything that you state is possible. You see, here's the thing. This is where we go from simply being in the amen corner in heaven to being an active participant in the kingdom of God. This is where we move away from just saying, good preaching, and we walk out and we live in a way that doesn't manifest Christ. See, what Mary said in that statement was, Lord, I'm here and I'm available. I'm here and I'm available. We celebrate Christmas today because Mary was available and believed. How do, how do we know she believed? She said it with her mouth. Today, many agree with biblical ideals, but they don't believe. Here's how you know. When you believe, you take action. You take action. James 2, you remember what that says? But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? I got to tell you, you know, a profession of faith isn't just an agreement with biblical ideals. It's saying, God, I agree with what you said, and now I'm available. This happens two ways. First, you've got to respond to what God has said about caring about you and loving you enough to come to redeem you. All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet we need to realize that God so loved us that he came, that he died, that he paid the price for our sin, that the work of redemption for us we could not accomplish on our own. We were dead and helpless in our sin, and yet God sent his son to suffer and die in our place and be buried. And on the third day, the scripture says, he took his life up again. And all who place faith in what he did for us then receive, by grace, undeserved salvation. We're saved. The first thing we need to do is respond to what he's done. But then the secondary thing, right on the heels of that, is to be as available as Mary was, as Joseph was, to bring Christ to the world. She didn't simply just say, wow, I agree with these ideas. She had to go on this journey. She had to be inconvenienced at 40 weeks pregnant. Can you imagine the discussion around the donkey? What do you mean you didn't book a hotel in advance? <laughs> Don't you know what I'm doing here? 
no room in the inn. She had to carry it out and be willing to be inconvenienced. And, and, and there, with the animals, lay the Son of God in a manger. By the way, I'm not sure at any time in the days that approached the final day, did she ever think to herself once, wow, I can't wait to put the Son of God in a feeding trough. But Mary, where she was, was made available. And she said, wherever I am, I'm going to give care to my call. I'm going to wrap my calling in these cloths. And I'm going to find a place right where I am to lay this before God and look at the wonder of what he's done. That happens when you're available. That happens when we as the church say, my plans are secondary, God, to your plans. The presence of God is needed to manifest Christ. The power of God is needed to manifest Christ. And the profession of faith that God, no matter where you lead me, that's where I'm carrying this calling. That's where I'm carrying out your call for my life. Calvary Church, I want to encourage you. This region needs more than just your generosity. It needs more than just your presence. It needs more than your property taxes. This region needs you to manifest Christ to those who don't know him. Here's what will happen. The presence of God will come to you. The power of God will envelop you. And your profession of faith in God will become a reality written by the hand of God through your willing life.